Welcome back to another episode of the Sounder at Heart podcast. I am Jeremiah O'Shan. I'm Mark Kastner. This is the Sounder at Heart podcast. Joined by my co-hosts, Mickey Turner, Susie Rantz, Tim Foss, Beth Mantle, and Dave Clark. This has been an extremely weird podcast. How are they going to be able to handle that? Just the bottom line is they don't have an answer to that. There was never really a time when I was super concerned. Seattle did fine. There's a reason they got signed to first team contract. Very special guest, Brian Spencer, head coach of the Seattle Sounder. You know who he is. Brian how are you doing? I'd start off, Jeremiah, by saying one thing, and this isn't my quote. I have to attribute this to Tom Dutra. He always says, tough times don't last, tough people do. Welcome back to another episode of the Sounder at Heart podcast. I am Jeremiah Shan. Joining me today is... Beth Mantle. Hey, y'all. Hello, it's Mickey Turner. Hey, it took me a second. I know I didn't. We didn't. We didn't. We didn't practice, but you, we pulled it off. Uh, so yeah, we're we're sitting here on uh, Tuesday. The schedule did finally come out. The MLS schedule did come out. In case uh, you didn't know, we'll get into this a little bit later. But uh, in ca- just so you know, the Sounders are going to be playing RSL on November twenty third. That is uh, really the date that I think we mostly expected until oh, well, we all of a sudden that. well i i had expected it until we started hearing like oh no they might play on thanksgiving but anyway we we'll, we'll get into all that later i promise uh but what we're going to focus on right now is is sort of the regular season and specifically the end of the regular season uh the last game was a 1-1 tie against the vancouver whitecaps it ends the, the senders end the season on a six game winless run which is not the worst end of season run they've ever had back in 2013 they actually went seven games unbeaten and that was a much worse ending what i think what's telling about this one is that they weren't bad for the most part i don't think like you can i think that you could make the argument that they were the they could have like theoretically gone maybe as well as three two and one if some bounces had gone their way but i think it does sort of like pulled the reins back and it does diminish some of the excitement. I mean, the Sounders had a great season by really any metric. They, they uh, claimed 60 points for the first time since 2014. It's only the third time in franchise history that they have gotten to 60 points. They got a 20, uh, they're plus 20 on goal difference, which is a, a franchise record. They're one of only 13 teams in MLS history to do both of those in the same thing, 60 points and t- plus 20 goal difference. So it's a, it's, it's been a great season. And, and if you, really dig into it. You know, they only got uh, like 56% of the minutes from their three DPs. If you add in Jordan Morris, who was their fourth highest player, it was only like 44% of the available minutes. And so they did all this sort of like almost smoke and mirrors style, but it did seem to kind of run out at the end. And, and we saw that where, you know, they were sort of exceeding expectations, exceeding expectations all year. And then all of a sudden at the end of the year, maybe expectations caught up to them. You know, you can kind of look at it either way. But I don't know what what you know. Before we get into this specific game, what is your overall feeling right now, going into the playoffs? Uh, I have to say that with the international break and the time to rest, and Smetzer's comments after the game that they are expecting Raúl Ruiz Diaz and Joao Paulo to be fit and ready to go for the first game, uh, I think cautiously optimistic is where I sort of land right now uh that is tempered obviously by them likely not having Nico Ladero 
back in any meaningful capacity. Um, and then again, on the plus side, obviously Jordan Morris uh, being back. Um, and we hope uh, that Jimmy Madranda would, will be fully fit. So they should have more of their pieces than not, um, which is what their, I think, real problem has been for these this last six games. They simply have not been fit enough to really make uh, a run. And that's ultimately what I think cost them the uh, top spot in the Western Conference, uh, even though they didn't play poorly against uh, Vancouver. I thought that was a very competitive game, but you saw what they were missing. Um, and again, you, as you said, we'll get into the specific game uh, a little bit later, but that was kind of a microcosm for what really cost them a chance at the Supporter Shield uh, throughout the course of the year. Although, you know, even if they were fully fit, it's questionable whether they would have caught New England, who did set a point record after all. Uh, but Again, it cost them a chance to really be competitive in that past uh, the summer. Um, and then, you know, in the more recent term, cost them the top spot in the Western Conference. So um, getting back to your question of, of how I feel, uh, again, it's been a good season. Uh, some, I think our expectations were probably heightened based on their hot start to the season. Um, and what they've shown recently is probably lower than what we could have reasonably expected. But if they've got their pieces or most of the pieces ready to go for the for the playoffs, I think you have to like their chances, uh, given their draw in the playoffs, uh, the teams that they're playing um, and uh, what they can and the fact that they're playing at home. So cautiously optimistic. But again, this is all contingent on them having the pieces that they need to what we think make a really good run. Yeah, I think I'm at this point, I'm very undecided. Um, I think there's good arguments for thinking the Sounders are going to do extremely well and also thinking they're going to tank the first game. Um, I mean, obviously being super excited and optimistic is more fun. So I think that's where I'll end up being. Um, but yeah, the last few performances, obviously not winning a game in six matches is not setting them up for success, I think. I mean, there's been a lot of arguments about what form says and if it's an, an accurate, rely, a reliable um, indicator of future, future success. Yeah. But I mean, I don't think it's, I don't think it means good things. I don't, right. I don't, yeah, I don't think, I think we can all agree. And say that, that going winless in your last six is a good indicator. Right. Um, <laughs> But I also think that they're the Sounders and they can really just pull it out of their ass if they feel like it. Um, so I don't know. I mean, we've got a lot of talented players that seem to want to do a lot better than they have been recently. And I think yeah. they're, they're, I think they're a bit upset about how the season finished, um, not being able to take first in the West. Um, and maybe that just gives them the fire that they need. Yeah, like in the post game, they were pretty upset, I would say. And I don't necessarily think that they were upset about this game by itself. And I think you could look at this game and say, like, yeah, you know, they were pretty good. You know, they were the better team on XG by actually a pretty wide margin. They only allowed five shots to the Whitecaps on the road. The Whitecaps came into the game, hottest team in the league. They'd been almost unbeatable at home. Like there was a lot of things they're playing in front of their biggest crowd of this. Actually, apparently it was the biggest crowd in BC in British Columbia since the start of the pandemic. But I mean, there was a lot of things that were, you know, the wind was really at the Whitecaps back and the Sounders were, you know, on the whole, I think the better team. 
But yeah, they were pretty disappointed. They didn't have any, the Sounders didn't even have any of their three designated players available, which I know they started the LAFC game without any of their three designated players, but I don't know. I honestly don't remember the last time they went into a game where none of their DPs were even available. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think if you look at that game objectively, like the Sounders did it, like they ended up doing incredibly well. Like they got a point, they got a trophy. They could have gone poorly for them with what was being set up. But I don't think sports is anything without emotional context. Right. And I think that's what really tips it over to the more negative side. Yeah. And and I think they, they've got reason to feel frustrated. You know, they they went into the last six games of the season. Essentially, like if they won any one of those games, they would have won the West. If they had gotten one more point, for that matter, they would have won the West. And you can kind of go through the games and find a whole bunch of examples of like, well, if this bounce goes this way, if that bounce goes that way. You can just kind of, yeah, Houston is a great example. Uh, Houston, Jao Paulo hits a ball off the crossbar at the end of the game. Uh, against Sporting Kansas City, uh, Christian Roldan hits a ball off the crossbar at the end of the game. Against the Galaxy, uh, Christian or Javier Arriaga gets his ball, his shot saved off the crossbar. I mean, this is, these are just like stoppage time games that happen during this, this, this six game run. Even in this game, uh, Freddie Montero gets a look on the doorstep on essentially the game's final play, not a great look granted, but you know, he, he gets a, a shot on goal from right in front of goal and, and Crepeau comes up with a big save. So it's, I, it's, I don't think it's that the Sounders fell apart during the stretch, but I do think that, you know, you're right. Like form is probably not super predictive of future success, but it's not, I think the best thing you can say is that it's, it's a neutral predictor. It's certainly not a good indicator of it, it carries a lot of emotional weight, which is right. I think what we keep going back to is it's not what's actually happening. It's what we feel about what's happening. Right. The um, vibes are bad. The vibes are bad. Yeah, they really are. And I think it's ironic that Vancouver's equalizing goal went off the post and in. <laughs> like if that had happened to us in any of like the last six perfect. matches, or if Christian Roldan could simply not hit the crossbar and instead put a goal in the back of the net, we're like six points clear of the West. Right. Like we win that like solidly. And I yeah. just, I mean, I can't get too upset about that. Like I just, there's just so much magic and dark magic and weird yeah. vibes that go into that. And you go into the, now we go into the playoffs here and it's a single elimination. So it's not like, like you can get hot. Like there's nothing that stops the Sounders from going on a four game winning streak and winning MLS cup. And we forgot all about this, this ending. Right. And I think we all believe that they're probably capable of doing that. Now, will they do it? That's a completely different. That's a whole at this point, right. That's a whole other conversation, but I will say that finishing second wasn't the worst thing in the world uh, from a, purely practical standpoint i wanted first i think the longer you can have home field advantage the better the fewer games you have to play to get to the final the better these are all things that would have worked in their favor but as we found out the sounders were like i i think everything that we've heard and mickey if you've heard something different by all means speak up but it sounded like mls and fox really wanted the sounders to be playing on thanksgiving so much so that so did i did it's you not often that me, MLS, and Fox have the same opinion, but I also wanted the Sounders to play on Thanksgiving. You wanted those, yeah, you wanted to bring only three. I really did. I wanted to make some cookies, I wanted to bring them to the press box, I wanted to see what the press box food would be. That, like, that, I'll admit, would I was they, excited. Would they about prepare that. us some Thanksgiving food? Like, 
what potato meal, what potato dishes were they thinking about? I just so many unanswered questions now yeah. that the Sounders lost. I know I might have to do some research to find out if that if there was a plan for any of that because I too was kind of curious. That might just hurt my feelings though. Like yeah. I think it just might be better leaving those unanswered. I mean, maybe it still happens uh, as a pre-Thanksgiving. Uh... Uh, you know, uh, spread, but I, think that's I, don't know. I like this, Nikki. Maybe we can have Friendsgiving. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we can have a Friendsgiving at the. I like this idea, Beth. Everyone's invited. Yeah, tell your friends in the press box we're having Friendsgiving. I like this. I like this idea, but uh, you know the the the, the, the reality. My, my point of bringing this up was that that game was going to be on the twenty fifth. As it is, the Sounders are playing on the twenty third. So like two days of extra rest. They were only going to get two days more rest than they ended up actually getting and i think the front end rest is probably the more important because the sounders need to get as many people ready for that first game and then sort of let the chips fall where they may once they get into that first game and i suppose you can always argue extra time is better but like i don't i don't i really don't think the difference is going to be two days uh but as it is they get to they're they're going to get what 16 days off between the end of the regular season and the and the start of the playoffs they're going to get a whole week of training basically with everyone back from uh, from international duty. Presumably, Jao Paolo will be ready. My assumption is that Raul Rui Diaz will be ready. Like Nikki said, we don't know what's going on with, with Nico Ladero, but I would assume that Jordan Morris will be closer to, to fully ready at that point. So there's reasons to be, I think, optimistic about the number two seed. On top of that, they get the Champions League berth. On top of that, they get home field through at least the first two rounds and really I don't like, I'm not, I'm less worried personally about going to Colorado and playing. That's the only team the Sounders would have to play in the, in the final, assuming they get that far. Playing uh, the Colorado Rapids in Colorado in some... the Western Conference final. Yeah. Jordan Morris. Where have I heard this before? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. should be noted that the, uh, the Sounders didn't lose to Colorado in Colorado this year. They, they pulled out two draws. Uh, you know, Colorado probably, you know, had some better play for portions of the, both of those games, but the Sounders certainly were competitive. Um, and again, we're never at full uh, strength either of those road games. So, um, and as you point out, there is history of the Sounders doing well in Colorado and getting results um, in the playoffs. So none of that is a particular worry. And I think, you know, as far as the rest issue is concerned, I, I definitely think the Sounders prefer to have it on the front end uh, as opposed to on the back end, obviously the winner of Kansas city and Vancouver uh, will get several extra days of rest uh, before yeah, I think they three extra days of rest. Yeah. Assuming the Sounders win, uh, you know, that's certainly going to be a benefit, but the Sounders will be at home for that game. So I think on balance, given the fact that they didn't get the number one seed, uh, the schedule worked out, I think, reasonably well for them uh, to get that extra game in. Uh, because, again, one of the other things that uh, Schmetzer has talked about, I think we've all talked about, is integrating these returning players uh, back into the squad. And I think that game against Salt Lake, again, assuming they win it, um, will be of particular value to the Sounders, right. even though they will be at risk of you know, losing the game. Um, an extra game obviously increases the uh, risk of injury or yellow card accumulation or red cards or what have you. But again, that's all stuff you can't really control until you get into the game. So just objectively speaking, I think the schedule works out well for them, um, assuming they take care of business. Right. And I think that that's like kind of where I fall is that if they couldn't beat Real Salt Lake, 
then they probably weren't going to win MLS. Like, I, I think you can reasonably say, like, if you can't beat Real Salt Lake at home, you can probably put it out of your mind that winning MLS Cup was really ever in the cards, no matter how the draw worked out. But, you know, so they, they're going to play Real Salt Lake on, like I said, 16 days of rest. Then I think they get five days of rest before, you know, assuming they win, they get five days of rest before they play the winner of Whitecaps Sporting Kansas City. And, you know, five days of rest is essentially full rest. So I'm not like stressing about that one. And frankly, I'd rather be on the side of the bracket with the Whitecaps and Sporting Kansas City than Timbers in Minnesota. Uh, like if I have to choose of those four teams, I, I, I know the two that I would, I would much rather play either the Whitecaps or Sporting Kansas City than either probably the Timbers or Minnesota United. Uh, especially with the way Sporting Kansas City, you know, you want to talk about falling apart at the end of a season. Sporting Kansas City is going into this thing on a three-game losing streak. Go ahead, Beth. I mean, I think Sporting Kansas City has been on the receiving end of a lot of weird refing decisions. And I think this is relevant since we are playing RSL. RSL technically should not have made the playoffs. Um, at like the 90th minute of their game against SKC on decision day, there was like a blatant handball um, yes, committed was. by RSL. They didn't call it on the field. It went to VAR. VAR was like, yeah, that's a handball. It should be a penalty. But like not giving a penalty for a handball is not a clear and obvious error, which <laughs> what is not, what about that is not clear and obvious. That's like the literal sole purpose. Did this person not get the VAR handbook? Like So I, I want to rewind. So I, I actually was able to get a copy of the answer that was uh, submitted to the press after they, they asked about this. And they basically said, yeah, we saw it hit his hand, but we determined that it wasn't deliberate. And therefore, it wasn't a clear and obvious error. <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. And if... If that had if that had like been a goal for Sporting Kansas City, RSL's knocked out of the playoffs and we're playing someone completely different. Like playing the Galaxy. Yeah, that just ends a lot differently. So it's not like RSL was doing particularly well. Um, but speaking of weird refing decisions, going back to the Vancouver game, their goalkeeper had some weird reactions to a few plays. Uh, yes. Freddie Montero. Uh, I don't even know what Freddie was doing. He was just like minding his business, just being a forward, doing forward things. Literally and doing nothing, standing there. Just like hanging out. And the goalkeeper grabs a handful of his jersey and puts his other hand around Freddie's neck and just like walks with him for a bit. That's not friendly. That's not nice. That's not something that you should be able to Definitely do. Definitely not Canadian. No, No. (laughs) like if a field player did that to another field player, you have to think that that would at least like be looked at as like a red card. Like you can't do that. Like we've seen if you go above the neck, like they're just going to give you a red card for it. So I don't I'm not 100 percent sure like why that wasn't even a thing. Like I don't even think he was like, oh, that's a foul. You can't do that. They were like, "Eh, do whatever you want. But gets worse later in the match. I think it's the very end of the match yeah. on our last ditch attempt. Javi is laying on the ground. He's sprawled out in front of the goalkeeper. He's trying to find the ball. He's kicking his feet. He's putting in the work. He like kicks one of the white caps defenders in the foot, like in the foot. Like it's not that he's laying on the ground and he kicked someone like it's not very violent it's not like a kick out where he no. goes for the groin, and it wasn't on purpose because so he couldn't see him because he was laying on the ground and 
Vancouver's goalkeeper gets up. Hoffy's laying like face down on the ground. The Vancouver goalkeeper grabs two fistfuls of Javi's jersey and starts shaking him on the ground. And just like does that for like a solid five seconds before Nuhu tries to fight him. But like, that wasn't anything either. They saw that and they were like, "Mm, he had a grievance. He took it out on Javi. It's fine. Like, I I don't get it. I don't understand why all of the goalkeepers in MLS have apparently just gone feral over the past few weeks. (laughs) Like, how are they getting away with this? And why is this their reaction when, like, a normal soccer play happens to be, like, incredibly emotional and violent about it? Like, what? Yeah, take up it, crochet or something. Like, you need a better emotional release. Yeah, I think yeah, the, the refs need to, to, to stamp this out. And they haven't done a good job of it, really, um, in the latter half of the season. Because you've seen examples of this all over the league. And, you know, you get kind of that narrative of playoff. Uh, soccer or playoff football or just playoff sports where you know the tough calls don't get made things get you know there's a grind there and and I I think you know you're expecting more physical play um and you know that's not really what you know the refs should be making these calls um as as they happen and if they are fouls in the middle of April um or red cards in the middle of April or May then they're they're fouls at the end of the season and this is going to end up with, you know, uh, you know, a brawl breaking out in the playoffs um, or someone's going to go, go lunging in for a tackle and someone's going to really get hurt. And so I think, you know, the, the refs need to be cognizant of, of that kind of stuff. And this is you know, kind of the reputation MLS had back in the day for these types of challenges or just, you know, uh, rough, uh, you know, being rough around the edges. And it resulted in a bunch of people getting injured seriously. Um, they're key players back in like the, you know, 2010, 2011 um, you know, time frame, and MLS did a job of, of kind of, you know, you know, removing that, um, and you don't want to see it come back. So I, I prefer that they, you know, take care of this stuff at when it happens, and so we don't end up seeing someone get hurt um, or some game get marred by a red card that wasn't called, um, and, you know, hopefully they, they do a better job of, of policing this stuff. And a lot of these don't even feel like physical challenges. They're like no. extraneous temper tantrums. Yeah. Right. Like you are grown men. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. Like the Malia thing was a hundred percent a temper tantrum. The Cropo thing was a hundred percent a temper tantrum. And I think what was notable, especially about the Cropo one was, you know, Marcus Hahnemann and Casey Keller. Yes. They're Sounders employees. Yes. You know, they, they work for the, on the broadcast, but they're also keepers. And I kind of get the sense that they are goalkeepers union first and Sounders second. And neither one of them had a, a word of defense to offer for uh, Maxime Cropo there. And just sort of saying like, when did it become like, when is it the offensive player's job to actually make your job easier? And that seems to be what Cropo was upset about was that like Freddie didn't get out of his way. I don't like, it was very unclear. And I, I fully expected on the replay to see Freddie, like sticking an elbow in there or doing Botting something, him, uh, right. Backing him into the goal, but he's literally just standing there. Uh, and again, even if he had been like challenging him or backing into right. him, you, you still don't get to like weirdly react like that. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and, and I don't think either any of us are suggesting that this really had a major influence on the game, but I think it's just he, extremely weird. It's extremely weird. And, and it kind of just adds to the frustration of, of an end of season that, just felt like the Sounders kind of ran out of gas. And I think 
I think if, if they can get all these pieces back, if they can reintegrate, you know, I, like I said, I expect Jao Paulo to be here. I hope Raul Rui Diaz is back. You know, maybe Morris can play a bigger role. Like you could see them getting on a run, but I don't know that we can assume that's going to happen at this point. Uh, and speaking of Morris, you know, this, we saw him get his longest run out yet. He played 45 minutes and he had moments, I think, where he looked really dangerous. And the Sounders did create some danger when he was on the field. There was one play in particular where a cross came in and he almost like backheeled it into the goal. Uh, if, if someone had been on the far post, which frustratingly, I got to think if Brad Smith was still in the game at that point, he may have actually been at that back post, but because it was new who, and I'm assuming he was a little bit more defensive uh, minded at that point was not there at the back post and ended up not going for a goal. Or imagine but, if Jimmy Madranda was over there, right? Well, you know, Man, Jimmy Madranda would have been on top of that, that in the net. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think we, I, I was encouraged by Morris in some ways. Like, I think you can, you watch him play and he, he looks like the, the player we remembered from pre-injury. So it's, it's, that's encouraging. It's just hard to say how long it's going to take for him to really kind of be himself again. I mean, he, he's only eight months removed from his injury and, you know, I, I, you know, I, I just think that's an open question right now. And I don't think we can assume that he's going to suddenly be Jordan Morris, uh, you know, in 2020. Yeah, I think he's, this is essentially a preseason for him. They kind of talked about the same thing with Ladero coming back uh, that, you know, usually ramp up from, you know, 45 to 60 to 75, and then you're at 90. So he's at the 60 minute mark, one would presume. Maybe he has a little bit of an added uh, fitness benefit because he had been training with them for several, well, several yeah, uh, about several months at this point. Yeah. Um, so it's not necessarily the fitness that's the issue. Uh, it's just game game fitness, I guess. Uh, so, you know, you, you would hope or, you know, I think it'd be reasonable to expect that he could potentially start the uh, the next game if he can give them 60 minutes. Uh, if he can, then yeah, I think that's a, a reasonable way to go. And then you've got with a potential returning Raul Ruiz Diaz and Jao Paulo, then you're talking about, you're really concerned about the integration issue and how they play formationally to get the best out of these players. Um, and if he's not able to give them 60 minutes or it's kind of on the uh, iffy side, then you know, he's a potential halftime sub uh, uh, once again. And again, with all of those pieces in place, you have to kind of like what he could potentially give you in that situation um, as he's able to give them something that they really don't have outside of Brad Smith, uh, which is uh, a vertical threat. And so, yeah, at that point, yeah, you're, again, you're, I think you're cooking with gas. It's just a matter of what other pieces will you have available to help get Morris um, in the best positions for him to succeed? You know, it, it is an interesting dilemma because I weirdly think that Jordan Morris can be fit into this starting group a little bit more easily than Morris and Ladero. Like, I think you might actually run into some formational struggles if you were to try to put Ladero and Morris on the field together because I don't know where they all fit in a in a way that makes sense but you could sort of deploy the Sounders in a in essentially a 3-4-3 with Morris and Roldan as the as sort of like the wide threats in a 3-4-3 and especially if you have a Xiao Paolo who's able to kind of push forward a little bit and then you you know you can use a Tensio or whoever else you want behind him and so I, I think there's some excitement there's some interesting possibilities with that formation. And I, I really like that possibility. Uh, I, I think that, you know, they, they have, they have the setup to potentially do that. And, 
you know, there's reasons that, again, reasons to think that they could kind of put this all together, but they would be sort of bucking history. Uh, I don't think I'm going out on a limb. I don't think anyone will be surprised to learn that, that at least, at least since 2013, which is all I've looked it up since, uh, no team had gone into the playoffs on a six game winless run and then made it all the way to MLS cup. But Hey, the Sounders are here about inventing things, right? Uh, why not? Why not uh, invent tanking the end of the regular season and going on a postseason run? I mean, they invented tanking the majority of the season and going on a late right. season run to exactly. win the MLS Cup. So why can't we invent Do the being great for most of the season, tanking the end and going to MLS Cup? That's a great point. Show yeah. them, show them your versatile. You can do, you can do it every way. <laughs> well, I think this is probably a good point to get into the shenanigans that were the MLS playoff schedule. Uh, usually, I feel like this happens almost every year. Within a few hours of the end of the regular season, we have a schedule that comes out because the reality is that these things all get worked out beforehand. There are people in the league office that are working out all the various possibilities and they know that it's not like it's a surprise which dates are available and which are and it's not a surprise which games fox wants and which ones espn wants this is all stuff that is very well known by the time the games end but for some reason we didn't find out who anyone was playing or we didn't find out when anyone was playing until basically what it was like nine o'clock at night on the east coast maybe it was even later than that on the east coast it would have been it, later it was on the close. East Coast. It was close. Yeah, it was like nine or ten o'clock on the East Coast. I mean, it was after five, it was after business at normal business hours on the West Coast when they finally put out the schedule. And everything that I can figure out, I, I did a fair amount of talking to some people. I think the big hangup was what was going on with that Thanksgiving Day game. And everything, all my understanding is Fox and MLS were really adamant about putting the sounders on on that window. But the problem, I think was that that would have forced a, a conference semifinal to be played before that game, which is a first-round game. So it would have, like, the Rapids would have had to play their game on Tuesday against a team that was on even shorter rest, and the Sounders would be waiting all the way until 25th to play their first game. It would have been a complete mess, as it was. And as it, as it ended up turning out, the Rapids apparently wanted to play on Thanksgiving, and I guess they talked the people that they needed to talk into uh, doing it to let it be that way. But it's just hilarious. On the prairie dogs. Right. I mean, and I think it works out pretty good for the Rapids. I will say like it, like if I'm the Rapids, I think I, I am probably trying to get that game too. They don't get on national TV a lot. This is their chance to be on big Fox. Uh, it's a great exposure for them. Uh, they get a, a, still a nice amount of rest. It's something like 18 days of rest between the end of the regular season and their game. But the kicker is that they get to play their opponent on just four days of rest. Uh, meanwhile, the the four or five winner from the East gets nine days of rest before they play the, the Revolution. Uh, it's a pretty good deal, I think, for the Rapids, all things considered. I feel yeah, like this... this weird timing happens every year. Every yeah. year, the playoff schedule comes out and we're like, this is not equitable at all. Like, these rest days are not even in the same ballpark. And maybe that's just part of the playoffs now. <laughs> yeah. And this is, again, there were obviously, you know, there's finite combinations that 
uh, were at play here. And MLS knew that there was a distinct possibility that the Sounders were not going to finish at the top of the uh, the West, especially given their form, but just based on the... There was a lot of, of ways yes, that that wasn't going to happen. Yes, exactly. And so they they should have known that if that were to happen, that they were going to have to move someone else into that Thanksgiving uh, day slot and trying to, you know, shoehorn the Sounders in there was just nonsensical on pretty much every level. Once the Sounders uh, relinquished the top seed. So they should have just had that ready to go. And the fact that they were, you know, trying to, uh, as Jeremiah says, you know, move the Sounders into that spot was, was ridiculous from the start. And they should have said either to uh, Colorado or New England, yeah, you guys are playing on that date um, and be prepared for that. And if uh, Colorado wanted to uh, have that date, um, even if Fox didn't want them there, then, uh, then, you know, that's what needed to happen. And the fact that they were trying to figure out a way to do that, uh, uh, to move the Sounders in there, if that's indeed what was the case, was just, you know, silly from the start and would have just completely blown up the, you know, the bracket um, even more than it already was. And as you say, you know, the, the, the schedule is already not equitable. Uh, they could have moved, uh, you know, for example, Kansas City um, and uh, Vancouver to Tuesday to have them match up with the Sounders and uh, RSL. And then you got those games on equal rest. I'm sure the other issue was probably Nashville not having access to uh, their stadium uh, potentially for their uh, for their home game. But again, these are all things that MLS knew well in advance, and there was no reason uh, that the delay needed to be what it was. I mean, if you're going to have an inequitable schedule like we have, then just announce it and have it ready to go um, because there was no reason for the for the delay. Uh, again, once the Sounders uh, lost the top seed, you knew that Colorado and New England had to be in there. So you should have been prepared for that in the in, right. in the first place. Yeah, that's, that's the thing that drives me crazy is that Sure, like whatever. Like I guess they were like, did they really think they were gonna manage? Like, they, it, it, I just don't see why it took this long to negotiate. These are all negotiations that could have ha- taken place weeks ago. Frankly, yeah. uh, I don't know why they were messing. And the thing that you know, you can on one hand, you can sort of write it off and be like, oh well, it's who cares? It got worked out in the end, whether it came out in the morning or at night. You know what's the big deal. But the problem was that a lot, the tickets had already gone on sale. Uh, Sounders season ticket holders, I know already had gotten charged for their tickets without knowing when the game was going to be. Uh, and, and especially if you're talking about, I mean, these are relatively short notice, especially if you're going to try to play on Thanksgiving to like give people no notice to just be like, Oh yeah, you, you got charged for it. Now go figure out what you're going to do with your tickets. Just seems really like poor business practice. And, and really, I, I think MLS needs to kind of figure this one out. Like, this is not, you know, it, it's all fine and good when we joke about, you know, when the schedule was supposed to come out at five o'clock and it comes at, at six o'clock for like the regular season, but it's like a month away. This is like, you, you can't be in a situation like this where you, you have a, such a finite number of combinations. Why are they, why are they doing this? And it's all because of the way that they're scheduling it around TV. And I realize they want to be a good partner to Fox and ESPN and la da 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 all this stuff, right? But like, you got to get out of this mentality where you're bending over backwards for TV, and you got to sort of just make your schedule and go with it. I think it's weird. I mean, and, and the other thing is, again, to that point, if if you really wanted to shoehorn the Sounders in there, again, you could have done that, uh, you know, 
weeks in advance because you knew right. the dates. Uh, so if you, if you were dead set on having the Sounders in there, just announced that said, okay, two weeks ago. Yeah, you could have said, okay, Sounders are playing on this date. We know they have a home game. We're good, yeah, you're, we're going to make some ridiculous accommodation uh, for uh, the rest um, for the other teams. And yeah, it's going to look ridiculous, but this is what we want to do because we want the Sounders there. Right. Uh, there's no reason. Why are you negotiating at seemingly the last minute uh, exactly. to get this done? It, 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 again, it makes no sense. I yeah, three there's weeks. Been, there's also just been three front runners for top of the West for a few oh, yeah, weeks the, now, I think. Yeah, there the Sounders. There's been some backup plans for each of those scenarios like there should have been okay if the sounders finish first here's the schedule if skc finishes first here's the schedule if colorado finishes first here's the schedule the game's finished you have the standings and they're like okay well that's the one we made it a few weeks ago we like that one i don't know why this needed to happen after the fact and i and i think sort of what mickey's alluding to is we've known the sounders are going to host a playoff game for at least three weeks if not a month and so as soon as if, if everyone was dead set on the Sounders playing on Thanksgiving, they could have just announced it then and just said, look, the Sounders are playing on Thanksgiving. We're going to schedule everything else around that. I, maybe I they finish fourth. Maybe they finish first. It doesn't matter. This is the way it's going to be. And we're going to make the schedule work. But also, it's not like MLS has this super great reputation for not making questionable and iffy decisions with regards to putting things where they want them to be. Like if they had just come out and said like the Sounders are going to play on Thanksgiving, everyone would have been like, that's an MLS decision. Like, okay, saw that one coming. It wouldn't have been like some scandal. Um, So I'm not sure why they didn't just bite the bullet and do that if that's what they wanted to do. Yeah, I I totally agree. Uh, I, I think as it is, the playoff schedule is wonky and it's going to end up with situations where teams are on uneven amounts of rest and everyone's going to be upset about it. Uh, I I know Minnesota United fans are particularly upset about it because they felt like they got screwed in the, uh, in last year's playoffs when they had to play the Sounders on short rest uh, in the conference finals. I have a little bit less sympathy for that one because whether they won that one or sporting Kansas city, or I guess sporting Kansas city would have potentially been the host, but you're the lower seed on some level, like I'm not really that I'm not like stressing about like lower seeds, getting the short end of the stick, but the whole point of being the lower seed. Exactly. Uh, So I don't have a whole lot of sympathy for that specific uh, acts that Minnesota United fans want to grind. I do think they get a little burned in this case though, that, you know, being in the West, they, they have to plan on so much shorter rest than if they were in the East, uh, their equivalent uh, matchup in the East. But I don't know. I, I I had this problem when the schedule came out. It felt like it was completely done around TV interests. I realized that the NFL also plays a role in this. Uh, the Sounders couldn't host uh, on the 20th, or they could have hosted. I mean, that's the other thing. is like If they were really dead set on having an equitable schedule, they could have just forced the Sounders to play on the 20th, and maybe we have football lines, and no one likes it, but like that's the, comp- like, the competitive part of it is more important than the optical part of it. And well, you'd think, but uh, you think would think so that uh, that is not necessarily the exactly, case. exactly. I uh, think I will be blaming the Sounders slump on Fox and their scheduling. <laughs> if they wanted the Sounders <laughs> to win so bad, they should have jinxed us less. Right. I think it's their problem at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Fox, get your shit together. Uh, if you want the Sounders on Thanksgiving, make it happen. Like, 
Grease those skids. Stop stop giving us bad vibes. Like you jinxed this. You did this right. to yourself. Yeah. Make sure LAFC doesn't fall apart it. against the Rapids. Simple. Yep. Simple. Well, uh, we're going to have plenty of content uh, between now and the actual game. But for now, I, I think this is, I think we got it out of our system. It feels weird that the regular season is over. It was, it was a sprint. Unlike it, like this, this season was exhausting. I mean, last year was exhausting in a different way, but this season has been like, I'm, I know I'm very relieved to have a couple of weeks off of not having to like worry about games every three days. Cause it's been, yeah. it's been rough. I was over that in like September. <laughs> yeah. Man. Yeah. It also when just th- feels like we should ca- keep having to do that. I'm like, we get a, a break. What happened here? Like well, there's not a game tomorrow. We would if you really want to blow your mind, uh, I think there's only four weeks between MLS Cup and the start of preseason. Jeez. Uh, yeah. This is going to be... Enjoy, enjoy the break while it lasts because it's, it's not going to. I don't needed that today. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure that was helpful. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think it was either. <laughs> Please take it back. I can't. I can't do it. Uh, but yeah, we're going to have an earlier have to start. Think about protecting people, the draft. Whew. Oh man, yeah, we're gonna have to get all that stuff together uh, right quick, uh, and plenty of things to talk about in the next two, two weeks because I have a feeling we'll be able to talk about some of that stuff. So, well, I hope we have a long playoff run and so win I. the MLS Cup, and so we get to do all of that work in between celebrating. I think right. that's the ideal scenario. I do too, and that's a good note to end on, uh, Beth. So. Uh, Signing off for Beth Mantle and Nikki Turner. I'm Jeremiah Shan. This is the Sound Heart Podcast, and we will catch you next time.